So I have some pretty good memories from being back in high school. I graduated in 2016, and I can remember some good memories. I know some of you guys probably have mixed feelings about high school. How many of you guys like it? No one? No one likes high school? Oh my goodness. Okay, I wasn't the person that loved it, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. I have some good memories. I have like my first track meet, my first prom. I loved going to Hot Tomato every single day for lunch with my friends, like, because now I don't go out to Furta ever, so that was awesome. I remember my first car wreck, my second car wreck. Man, just so many good memories. And I hope that you guys leave high school thinking, yes, I have some good memories too. But I also remember there was some bad mixed in there too. And a lot of it came from drama. Am I right? Yes, in high school, there is a lot of drama. It's almost like an incubator for it. And you think about it, and it's like high school is kind of a social experiment that really should be televised, okay? You have... You have teenagers that are, are hormonal from the ages of 13 to 18 that are shoved into one building for a total of four years and you guys do everything together. I mean, you learn how to, you learn how to read, basically. You learn how to do math. You learn how to drive a car. You do sports. You do all kinds of stuff together. You date each other. You date each other to where basically the whole school is inbred. I mean, let's be honest, okay? That's what happens and it's basically a social experiment. I love you. I really do. I was just in high school not too long ago, so I know how it is. There's drama. There's so much drama, and you know, you know what's happening in your school, right? You know that Brian slept with Gina, and he was dating with Caitlin, and did you hear about that gym teacher that had the blacklist of students of people that she didn't like? Did you guys hear about that? Too soon? Too soon? Okay. No, not too soon. Okay. And did you guys hear about how Jordan backed into Jaden's car and then Peyton got caught with lead and weed in his locker and then Marcus asked Bailey to prom, but she said no because we all know she's into Brady. I, am I right? Is that not how it is? There's so much drama. There's so much gossip all the time. And within the walls of high school, drama becomes currency and secrets are spread on the black market. And honestly, you guys feed on drama like Pennywise the Clown feeds on fear. You guys seen that movie? It is freaky, don't watch it, okay? But the most devastating of your, like the most devastating event of your life can happen and everyone knows about it. They like click one button on their phone and suddenly everyone knows all of your business. And I remember, I used to just get so fed up because I would be labeled for that one mistake for those four years for the rest of my life. There was no grace, nothing like that. You guys are savages. You're savages, okay? And I was one too. I used to get so caught up in the drama and so heated because you guys, I'm a justice seeker. And so if I see someone wronged, I want retribution, and I want that person who did the wrong thing to get what is coming to them. So that was my role in high school. I was that girl. And so I used to come home to my dad, and I would be so filled with just like the excitement and anger of the drama from that day, and I'd be like, Dad, then this happened, and she said this, and he said this, and you wouldn't believe what happened next. And then he'd be like, Madeline, slow down. You haven't breathed in five minutes. You're turning blue, okay? Just slow down. And then he would say something to me, and it was one of those dad lines that was basically like, Madeline, you need to learn to pick your battles. 
And I'd be like, Dad, I am picking my battles. Did you not hear what he said to her? That is so messed up. I want to hurt him. And he'd be like, no. Madeline, choose your own battles. And now I know my dad was wise, and I agree with him, and he's in another country, so I can say that without him knowing about it. But he was right. He was right, okay? I needed to learn to choose my own battles because, you guys, the truth is, is that we are facing a lot more than drama in our high school. We're facing a lot more than trying to choose what we're gonna do when we're gonna graduate or who we're gonna date. The Bible tells us that we have three enemies that we face on a regular basis. And the first one is the flesh. Now basically the flesh is you. You can be your own worst enemy sometimes. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you follow the flesh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of the earth. Now, a lot of you guys are looking up at that list and you're like, okay, I know what about 75% of those are. The other 25%, I have no idea. And I totally relate to like 60%. Okay, like jealousy, check. Outbursts of anger, check. Envy, check. Well, drunkenness and parties, that's like a two for one, so check on there. Like you are going through this list and you're like, yes, that is the flesh. I feel those temptations all of the time. And that is one of the enemies that we face is that temptation, that desire to get into those things that the Lord warns us about. The second enemy that we face on a daily basis is the world. First John 2, 15 through 17 says, do not love this world, nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So, I think what the world is, especially for us in this generation, I think the world tempts us in a different way than it has before. And I think what it is is that the Lord or the world likes to tell us something that's different from the Bible. Have you guys experienced that? Where you're constantly conflicting with what the Bible has told you and what the world is trying to tell you. What is right? What is wrong? What is good? What is evil? A lot of the times, they do not agree. And so we're constantly battling, trying to figure out, which do I follow? Who do I agree with? Who has the best argument? And sometimes... We just don't know because the world tells us that we should crave those physical pleasures. We should crave everything that we see and want those achievements and those possessions when the Bible is saying no. That's what the world is. That's another of the enemies that we are facing. And then the third and final one, I'm sure you guys have all heard this name before, is the devil. 
Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against each other, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So on a daily basis, we have an enemy that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy our joy and everything about our identity. And so we are constantly facing these three enemies. And then you look at, okay, well, I have all of that to deal with, and then I also have all of the drama at school on top of that. And there's basically two types of drama. There's the type of drama that come from those three enemies that we're kind of supposed to face. That's part of just being a Christian and living in this world. And then there's the other kind of drama that we bring upon ourselves. So we ask ourselves, how do we handle all of this? How do we handle this huge amount of weight and all of these battles that we have to face? Well, there's a man named Jehoshaphat, and his story is found in 2 Chronicles. And he actually had to face three enemies at a time. And so I want to look at his story and see how he deals with it. It says in um, verses 1 through 2, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in En Gedi. You guys are like, what the heck did you just say? Why are you reading this? This doesn't make any sense to me. But this scripture is super important. And there's three things that we need to recognize. This first is that he's got three enemies. Jehoshaphat and his army are facing three enemies. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meninites. Okay? So he's got three enemies. I love the Old Testament. Okay? Number two, they're coming from behind. So that's the whole other side of the Dead Sea part is they're not coming straight at Jehoshaphat and his army. They're trying to sneak up behind him and get that edge. And the third thing is that Jehoshaphat doesn't have time to prepare. He doesn't have time to make up a strategy. And that's the part about how they're already in En Gedi. And so Jehoshaphat's people, his army are coming to him and they're saying, Jehoshaphat, they're going to be here tomorrow. We don't have a strategy. We don't have the supplies. We could maybe handle one of them right now, but no way could we do all three of them. No way could we handle that. The enemy is coming and they are coming now. How many of you guys have gotten that phone call? How many of you guys have gotten that text message where your entire world just falls apart and you see that enemy and it's coming straight towards you and you don't have any time to prepare for it? You don't have time to read a book. You don't have time to text 12 of your friends to ask their advice. You don't have time to watch a TED Talk. It's coming and it is coming now. How many of you guys have felt that way. When trouble is knocking at your door, it is a terrible, terrible, terrifying feeling. But sometimes it's a blessing in disguise because you realize the only thing that you have time to do is to turn to God and seek him. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat does. It says in verse three, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So this verse says that Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat was alarmed, but he was also resolved. So in other words, he was shaken, but he wasn't shook, right? He was alarmed, 
but he wasn't, or, but he was also resolved. Another thing about this is that he had the determination to seek the Lord, and he did it in the most intimate way, and that's that fasting part. That's this going after him in so much worship and only focusing on him. That's the fasting part. This wasn't just Jehoshaphat opening up the Bible, pointing to a scripture and saying, yep, that's me, that's what I should do, and then blaming it on God later when it didn't work out. This wasn't just Jehoshaphat saying, oh yes, I have this good feeling of what I should do, this is gonna be the easiest route, this is what I'm gonna do, and then calling it God. No, this was him genuinely going after the Lord and seeking his advice. Pastor Will once said a wise thing to me. I know that's uncharacteristic and strange. <laughs> Just kidding. But he said, he said, you know what? I think that we fight a lot better when we are God-focused and not devil-focused. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat is doing in these verses. It says in verse five through nine, then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all of the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? So in these verses, we see that Jehoshaphat is like talking to God and reminding him like, hey God, do you remember when you did this and this and this and this and that was pretty cool? But do you think God needed a reminder of doing those things? Do you think that he just forgot about how he delivered the Israelites in the past? No, God didn't forget. Jehoshaphat wanted to remind himself of what the Lord had already done for them. He wanted to look at God's, just his, his track already and how he'd come through time and time again. And so that's what I think we should always do is whenever we're facing a battle is to remind yourself of how far you've come with God goes on to say, they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out in our distress and you will hear us and you will save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. So this verse is interesting. And what Jehoshaphat is basically saying is, God, we've met these three enemies before. We've come across the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the guys from Mount Seir. We have met them all, but you told us not to defeat them. You said to keep on moving. We had our chance to defeat all of these guys before they came for us, but you said no, and we didn't. And now... They're coming after us. Jehoshaphat is saying, Lord, this isn't my battle. This one is different. This one's not my fault. I didn't cause this. I didn't bring this on myself. We wanted to fight these people when we had the opportunity, but you wouldn't let us. This battle, this battle is not mine to fight. Have any of you guys been involved in a battle that wasn't yours? Have you ever gotten involved in a fight that really wasn't yours? in the first place? Have you ever barely made it out alive from that fight? 
Well, so had Jehoshaphat. Just two chapters before all of this goes down, he got tangled up with a really evil king, and he ended up almost getting himself killed, and the king did get killed, and it was all because Jehoshaphat brought himself into a battle. He listened to himself and not to God, and suddenly he was fighting a battle that he should have never fought in the first place. And so now in these verses, he's gun shy. He's terrified. He doesn't want to go back to that. He doesn't want to go back to fighting another battle that was not his because he barely survived. You guys, the surest way to get yourself into trouble is to take on a fight that wasn't yours to begin with. And so maybe for you, that's not fighting uh, with an evil king or three different armies. Maybe for you, that's friend drama. Maybe you constantly find yourself in the middle of just drama after drama after drama where there's just awful text messages, there's awful fights, and you are always right in the middle of it and bringing so much drama and pain and anger on yourself that you really don't have to have. Maybe for you, your parents are fighting a lot. And you see that and it hurts you and it cuts you deep and you want to be able to help them. You want to be able to save them. And so you keep trying to take on the role of mentor or counselor instead of son or daughter. Maybe for you, you are so freaked out about your future. You've done everything that you can. You've made the grades. You took the SAT. You nailed it. But now you are so scared because it is out of your control and there's nothing you can do about it. So when you have these battles that you're fighting and they're really not yours to begin with, does that make you a bad person? Does that mean that you're irresponsible? No. It means that you care about people and you care about yourself and you're just trying to help. But remember you're already facing those three enemies. You already have the flesh and the world and the devil coming against you. How much more can you take on? You cannot willingly take on someone else's battle. You have to choose your battles or else you're not gonna have the strength or the energy to fight your own. Let's pick back up the story and see how Jehoshaphat handled the rest of the battle. It says in verse 15 through 17, this is what the Lord says to you. So right here, the Lord is responding to Jehoshaphat's basically prayer from earlier where he said, Lord, this isn't my battle. This should not be my responsibility. This is the Lord's response. And it's so good. It says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God will help you. God will be there for you. So go out to face them tomorrow and know that the Lord is with you. So God's saying, you know what, Jehoshaphat, you're right. This isn't your battle. You do not have to fight this one. This one is on me. 
So verse 22 through 23 says, as they began to sing and praise, so this is Jehoshaphat's army, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Did you guys catch that? So not only did the Lord set ambushes on their behalf, but now the three armies that were once aligned against Jehoshaphat, now they're fighting each other. Now they are beating each other and slaughtering each other. That's what the Lord did. Because Jehoshaphat turned to the Lord, because he was God-focused instead of battle-focused, The Lord said, you know what? This is my battle, and I'm going to fight it for you, and I am going to take care of it. And the same thing goes for us, guys. When we have those battles in our lives that you want to get involved in, that you want to help out in so badly, the Lord's got you. The Lord is going to take care of that broken relationship. He is going to heal those hurts. He is going to take care of it. But first, you have to give him that battle back. Don't spend all of your energy fighting the battles that are not yours or else you won't have energy to fight those that are. So stop leaving comments on Facebook, arguing with dumb people that you don't even know. I don't know if you guys even do that anymore, but if you go on Facebook right now and you look, all you see is negativity. All you see is just people arguing back and forth. And same thing on Twitter. You scroll through the feeds and there's just so much ugliness. And you know what the truth is, guys? If you convince a fool that you're right, all that you have for a friend is a fool. Or you go on YouTube and you look like, I really like to watch um, beauty tutorials. I think that they're super fun. Any other girls like to watch them? No one? No one? Okay, a few. So if you go on there, you'll read the comments and they're mean. They are vicious. And it's like, do you guys have nothing better to do than to go on here and just to completely destroy these people? Like, it's ridiculous. People are so terrible to each other. So instead of fighting those battles, even if they are wrong, even if you think that you are right, just stop. The truth is, guys, we have a real enemy. We have three of them. And so if we're wasting all of our energy trying to fight people on social media, the real enemy is going to have so much more just complaints like direct access at us and we are not going to be able to fight back. We have enough on our shoulders as it is. You guys, the other day, I'm really bad at this. I'm like preaching to myself more than you guys right now. So like the other day, I I wanted to get involved. I wanted to say something to speak up because what I saw I thought was wrong and it was making me angry. And so I was like ready to go off. I was like a chihuahua ready to pounce, okay? And then all of a sudden it was like God kind of scooped me up. Like have you ever seen dogs that get picked up by their necks, by their moms? Yeah, so that's what God did to me. And he's like, Madeline, not this one. Not this one. Stop yipping and yapping and shut your mouth because this is not your battle. You are wasting your energy. You are wasting your time on someone who is not going to listen to you, has no idea who you are, and does not care what you are saying. I was like, okay, you're right, God. You're right. you're, You're right, okay? I'm a little chihuahua, and I can't back off sometimes. 
but I'm really bad at it. I really am. I act as if I don't have enough drama in my own life and I start getting involved in other people's lives. I like to control people, right? I see them and I'm like, oh, you're making the wrong choice. I'm going to control you. I wish that you were my dolls and I can make you say and do exactly what I want because I always think that I know better than that person and that they are making the wrong decision. I want to control and I want to meddle and I want to get involved because I've act like I know exactly what they should do. But you guys, you know that you're fighting the wrong battles when you're trying to control other people. You can't control others. Even if you are trying to help, even if you have the best intentions, even if you're right, you can't control other people. Even if you're trying to help. The truth is, you guys, the peace of another person is not your responsibility. It is not your job to make sure that the people around you are happy, to make sure that your siblings or your parents or your friends are happy. The only person that can do that is themselves. It is not your responsibility. I really, I really struggle with this. And one time in my life where it was really bad was with my sister. And when my sister, she's, she's like the sweetest person in the world, the nicest person. She's like not at all like me, okay? She's so much better than me. And I remember in middle school and high school, all of a sudden she started looking to other people for their approval and their love and their acceptance. Even though her family and her friends and the people that truly knew her were right there, they were ready to accept her, ready to love her, she decided that she needed everyone to accept and love her instead. And so she started going after these random people that she didn't even know, trying to get them to accept them and love her. And all of a sudden, she was turning her back on the people who really did, who really did know her, who really did love her. And I would see it. Every day she would come home and she'd be just a little bit different a little bit broken, a little bit more rejected, and her personality would begin to change because she'd start trying to be somebody that she wasn't in order to get accepted. And I would watch it happen, and I would see it, and it, wasn't, it was like she couldn't. I was the only person that saw it, and I wanted to help so badly. I wanted to save her. I wanted to rescue her and make everything better. I wanted to control my sister to save her from herself, but eventually the shrapnel from her own self-destruction was too much for me to bear. And I remember right here in this very room, the Lord convicted me in the sweetest way and only a way that he can. And he said, Madeline, you can love your sister and you can pray for her, but you cannot save her. And I said, God, you don't know her like I do. You don't see what I see. I know exactly how to help her if she would just listen to me. Madeline, you cannot save your sister. Only I can. Let it go. Give me my battle back. I think a lot of you guys in this room, you have battles that you're facing. 
that really aren't yours and you're exhausted and you're tired and you're getting beat up from every single angle. And God wants to tell you that it's time to give him his battle back. And so what I want everyone to do is just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to think about a battle that you've taken on that is not your own. Maybe you have a couple. Maybe it's your relationship with your friends, someone in your family, someone you're dating, money, your future. Whatever it is right now, maybe it's a few things. I want you to picture yourself handing that over to God. In your own minds right now, I want you to picture yourself handing it over to Him and giving it all to Him, surrendering it to Him. He's got it. If you guys will all just repeat after me now, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for controlling the things that I shouldn't. I'm sorry for taking control. I give it back to you. Forgive me. Come into my life, Lord, and relieve me from the burdens that are not my own and strengthen me to face the real enemies that are there. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.